Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Abundant Souls. And I have an amazing episode today for you guys. I have Jonathan and Goes Day. Welcome to the episode. Thanks for coming. Well, Jack, thank you for having us. It's an honor to be here and have the opportunity to tell the story about how we got here and our plans for what we intend on doing for this world because uh, we think people are going to like what we have to say. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it, guys. So you have a technology that you're bringing to the world. Tell us about it. The ul the ultimate solution for waste and pollution. Did I get that right? You got it right. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's a process yeah. that was originally invented by my father about 25 years ago. And we spent a long time going through many trials and tribulations, ups and downs, highs and lows, and various forms of this process, right? And uh, well, that's all it is. It's a process. It's already standard industry practices that my father figured out how to put in the correct sequence mm. to emulate and mimic the Earth's natural hydro and geothermal processes to turn all carbon-based waste uh, back into their smaller chain carbons, which are hydrocarbon fuels, uh, biochar, and, and various forms of useful energy. And so you sell those products the, the, from the waste, so they, you take waste, you were talking about that oil and tires and stuff, and then you turn it into like actual products like soil building amendments and stuff? Uh, well, yeah, two, wow. there's two soil building amendments, right? Um, but we can get into those. One is a biochar, which actually has a couple different uses, which we'll get into. And we also make a liquid fertilizer concentrate, uh, which is loaded with ammonical nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, all these great uh, um, micronutrients that support plant life and growth. Uh, and there's no waste byproducts. Our only byproduct is a gray water stream. Interesting. So, so what we're How able to do, do that? It's, well, it's proprietary. Oh, <laughs> yes and no. There's, but, there's enough that we can share. I'm curious, um, right? So basically, how is it safe? You know all those yeah. things. So everything, and you know, you're a farmer. Pretty much everything is carbon, right? Almost everything above the Earth's surface is carbon. Life. Life. The carbon is the the element of life, right? Um, and all that is, if we go back to high school chemistry or high school biology class, think of sugar, C6H12O6, right? Six carbons, 12 hydrogens, six oxygens. Well, if we took sugar and we processed it in our uh, equipment, you would cleave off those oxygens and, and you would actually just make the straight chain carbons, right? Uh, and not only that, but we're able to actually save all that carbon. So when you think of a waste disposal method, like incineration. Right. Incineration definitely makes energy from waste. Is it a good way? That's debatable. I mean, if you look at a country like Singapore who has scrubbers on their plants, the air that comes out after burning their trash is actually cleaner than the air around the facility. But those are insanely, insanely expensive technologies yeah. to filter that air. In Singapore. Yeah. God. But uh, incineration destroys carbon, right? You combust it. So there's no, it's the end of the life. You destroy the carbon. You just use it up. We, we just take it and we just put it back into the loop. So carbon, uh, we make four main products, right? We make a regenerative fuel oil, which is a sweet crude. 
Uh, it's carbon neutral, clean burning, no mercury, no, no VOCs, uh, no volatile compounds. It's truly a clean burning fuel, which can be distilled into gasoline, diesel, kerosene, and the kerosene can be upgraded into to jet fuel. Uh, I've done the experiments turning our kerosene into JP4 and JP5 grade jet fuels. Um, we create a renewable or regenerative natural gas, which is a mixed fuel gas. It contains propane, hexane, butane, all the, all the good natural gases. Uh, and then we have the biochar, which changes in composition depending on what you're feeding the system, but we'll get into that. Right. And then our liquid fertilizer, okay. and then the only byproduct is water. So let's say you're in an arid climate, right? You're in Arizona. And we know Arizona is a tough growing uh, condition, right? I've, I've studied permaculture to a, a long degree. And uh, some of your guests you've had on have been from Food Forest Abundance. And we're actually Heck blessed yeah. to say we're, we're, we're founding partners of that amazing organization. Um, Shout out. Yeah. Cameron put us in touch. He was on yeah. the podcast. Cam uh, Cameron is, that's a special human being. Mm. That is a special human yeah, being. I mean, people. when I saw him and just, put my arms around him for the first time. I just, it felt like I was hugging a brother that I've known my whole life. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's truly, it's been great, but let's We're see on a mission, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you have all this waste and waste has moisture content, right? Everything has water in it. That waste sits in a landfill and that water goes to waste, right? But now we can capture that water and just take it out of the system and now we can use it again, right? So it's, we, we, we're a water positive technology. And in my eyes, because of carbon neutrality, the way you have to look at it from my perspective and the way I've studied it, we're actually a, a carbon negative company. So we actually wow. not only create carbon neutral fuels, but we create carbon that you put back in the soil. So it's the ultimate way in my eyes of sequestering carbon because we're putting fertilizers back into the soil, which the soil's now storing that carbon, yeah. and then the fuels we're the making are, are carbon neutral. Amazing, man. And the soils are depleted, man. We need solutions like this. Yeah, It's amazing. So tell us more about it. I think I, I have so many questions. The first is the gray water system. I think my audience is curious about that sure. too. But also like, Brother, this is amazing. Like you, like we need, it's an energy, you're an energy company, I guess, right? Well, we're an equipment manufacturer, right? Got so it. we're building the equipment that waste producers can now take and they can use this equipment at their facility. So <clears throat> let's use a, a slaughterhouse, for example, right? You have a big slaughterhouse slaughtering, let's say, let's say use pork, right? They're slaughtering 20,300 pound pigs a day. They're producing a lot of waste. And I've visited facilities of that size yes. before, right? They're producing tens of uh, probably 20 to 50 tons of waste a day at minimum God, right like one of these factory farms yeah so now they're they're coming in and all that waste is now being shipped out trucks coming in spending all those fuels burning all those fuels taking it out to one facility going to facility b begin process of facility b getting sent to facility c then going to facility d Oop. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it, you, it's just a long chain with the material with the waste yeah not even the not even the good material God, the waste the waste yeah. Now that same facility can purchase our equipment and power their facility from their waste while making the fertilizers that they can now have a new product they can market wow. from their waste. And use the water to feed. Yeah, the water. The So a facility like that probably wouldn't try to utilize the water. They would probably just discharge it to a city. 
Um, if they had a use for it, they definitely could. Maybe they're irrigating a field or whatever. Uh, but this gray water will meet all COD and BOD requirements for city discharge. Um, there's no pathogens. The, the technology, uh, actually, my father, uh, his company, uh, has seen 100% pathogen destruction uh, and actually has a medical infectious waste permit in New York. Um, we're not affiliated with my father or his company, but the technology is is an advanced form of what they've used. Uh, I've, me and my team have really developed it a lot further than where it originally was. So it's the only technology to ever receive 100% pathogen destruction on medical infectious waste. Incineration is about 99.8% effective. And the way you can explain that is think of a fire. You always have that one little brick of charred wood that's left over. They're cold spots, right? And pathogens can survive those cold spots. Mm. But because we use water in our process, the water gets into all the interstices and under heat and pressure, you're able to destroy those pathogens. So we neutralize all toxins, all wastes. Uh, and there's even some more tricks in there that we'll get into <laughs> in a little bit. No, this is good stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> so business, So businesses can buy this from you and you're basically manufacturing and taking care of it. They probably get credits for this too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's insane. So we still have to build these these portable modular units. I've, I've been a part of teams building this technology at 15 tons per day and 250 tons per day. And I was a lead engineer. Of on, waste material. Of waste material. Wow. And then I was a lead engineer on a 1,500 ton per day facility that unfortunately never got built because uh, where we were, um, the country fell apart, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but we've we've, yeah. we've had to overcome some major hurdles. Got it. Uh, and I want to, if you don't mind, like we should get into how you got here too. Like I'm sure people are interested. You got into it a little bit with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into that or talk more yeah. about the tech? I mean, we we kind of gave a little general overview so people understand where uh, the conversation is leading. So I guess we could go back to the beginning um, because I think that's. Cool, man. When we when we Eden talk about energy our, solutions yeah. in the house, guys. When, when we talk about Amazing. our mission, uh, and so, sorry for you're still getting used to the whole interview. So Dude, I, if whatever. I cut you off, yeah. uh, I apologize. <laughs> we cut each other off. It's yeah. all good. Um, but uh, so our mission and vision at Eden Energy is we want to restore Eden to the world. Right? We want to have a world powered by waste, and. We are beyond blessed because the core group that we've established, not a single person in our team has a greedy bone in their body and everybody just wants to do good for humanity. And uh, That's where it's at, man. Companies yeah. like that. Where it's not just about making the dollar and yeah. selling one day. You want an actual world. You want to create Eden on Earth. We want to create Eden on Earth. And the name Eden Energy... Uh, We'll get into how that came about. It was a hero's journey. I'm sure some people are going to be interested to hear that story, your yeah. listeners, but we'll get into that. Dude, I think about this stuff all the time, man. We're <laughs> very aligned. Yeah. This is cool. So what what got you on this path, brother? So, and, and Eden, whatever, yeah. yeah, the name. So uh, it's, it's a little bit of a story, So and I know we got some time, so I think uh, it's good to give the listeners the real overview so they can understand who we are and where we're coming from. Uh, but to really tell this story, you got to tell it properly from the real beginning. And it starts before I was born. Um, so my father came from very humble beginnings, was pretty poor growing up, and I uh, was a basketball player. And that was the only reason why he went to college. Uh, right out of school, got a job working for Russell Stovers. And uh, my dad was a good basketball player. Uh, he actually had letters from the Nets and Sixers saying they were going to draft him. Cool. But he uh, busted his ankle up pretty bad his senior year. And 
Thankfully, he lost his edge because if he didn't, we never would have been down this path, right? Everything happens for wow. a reason. God, God puts you on the path that you need to go down, totally. right? He was an athlete, though. Um, oh, he's a six-five point guard yes. that can shoot. He averaged in high cool. school. He averaged thirty points a game without a three-point line. Wow, I love that. Yeah, so uh, he was a baller, and uh, he, he still is. I mean, my my old, my old man's a pretty pretty cool dude. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, right out of school, he, he yep. ended up on a plane. Yep. Uh, one salesman of the year for Russell Stover's candies in 1980 or 81, one of those, was on a plane, got sitting next to Joe Niederlander from Niederlander Broadway Theaters. And at the time, they were just starting a, a company that everybody today knows as Ticketmaster. Uh, but my father was the founding EVP wow. of Ticket World, uh, which became Ticketmaster. And uh, in, in 85, uh, some, some Wall Street guys came in and went to buy the company and my dad's an old hippie and he said ah oh, you know what I really don't have an interest in working for these guys I'm just gonna sell out and go see what I want to do with my life and uh Love it. him and my mom were uh in Chitsa Nitsa Ticketmaster yeah and Ticketmaster yeah. <laughs> so he went to wait, wait, wait so he went to Mexico so now he goes yep. to Mexico. so he sells all his shares and I mean I'm sure you can imagine yeah. 85 a 26 year old kid who grew up poor now he's got a pretty big windfall and is enjoying his life and uh, him and my mom are going around doing soul searching. I mean, and they were big time scuba divers uh, for their honeymoon. They were in the Cayman Islands and they were, uh, they I forget the guy's name, but it was Jacques Cousteau's first mate. And he was recovering from like an open heart surgery and they got to spend a week with him uh, diving the Cayman Islands. So they were they were traveling, they were having some fun. Yeah. And uh, They cashed out and they went to Mexico. Yep, and uh, so wow. they, they ended up in Chichen Itza during the spring equinox. And for anybody who knows Chichen Itza, it's, one of the biggest Mayan uh, temples that they've really excavated. And if you ask me, I mean, you look at what's going on in these discoveries happening down south. The Mayan culture was so much bigger than what we actually know. I mean, they're finding cities that are just thousands of miles in diameter. I mean, it's a joke how big Dude, these places are. We could talk about the whole oh, episode yeah. on that. Oh, for sure. There's so many pyramids. So I mean, many. Wow. I mean, there's, there's estimates that they th are now thinking the Mayan population was in the millions, maybe even tens of millions. Um, it was an amazing civilization, but so much history lost. Yeah, but Chichen Itza is an amazingly mm -hmm. uh, structured temple, right? It's aligned perfectly with the the spring uh, and and uh, and spring and winter or, or spring and fall equinoxes, right? Yeah, doesn't the sun line up every the the sun lines equinox. up and Kuku Khan, the, the the feathered wow. serpent god, basically the the almighty god of the Maya. He crawls down, symbolizing the rebirth, right? The renewal of the year. And if you look at a lot of these ancient cultures, they all said spring was the start of the new year, not December. Interesting. And that's that's something that I think the Gregorian calendar really got into. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, oh, they always yeah. on to something, right? <laughs> we got uh, a gem here today. <laughs> so uh, let's go. So they're, they're there, and he obviously mm. did pretty well, but it's pouring rain. And uh, he paid this little Mayan girl to give him a little private tour. And the Mayan girl is going around and turns to my father and goes, sir, we, we need to go back to the temple. It's time for the ceremony. And my father's 26, star athlete. He's like, oh, it's raining. We're not going to see anything. So she goes, and this is a line that changed my father's life. And I've heard this line more times than I ever care to, <laughs> care to admit. Hey, when she I said, heard it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but he said, uh, she said to him, no, sir, you don't understand the power of the Maya. So they go back to the temple and now 
if this part is true, if it's not true, that's not for me to say. That's my father's yeah, story. You but weren't even born yet. I, I was still a dream. It was <laughs> only it was four years later that I was uh, can't walk this world. But uh, he says there was a huge crack of thunder. The sky opened. Kuku Khan crawled down the the temple. The sky closed back up and it started raining again. <laughs> what? So at that moment, he had a spiritual awakening, like uh, you can never yeah. imagine. He. He actually considers himself Mayan at this point. Um, he, he's got this necklace that has its own unbelievable story in and of itself, but it's a boar tooth with Kuku Khan carved into it. Uh, he's read the Pupavul, which is the Mayan Bible, several times. He can read the hieroglyphics. Uh, we have family that lives in Tulum that are just the most amazing people. So uh, love, they live actually a little there, north man. of Tulum. That's well, amazing. Next time you go, if you're looking for either a great restaurant or a great tour, uh, my my Mitia, uh, Virginia, and uh, Mitio uh, Oscar, they mm -hmm. run uh, uh, a tour group called Riviera Aventures, and there's a restaurant called Oscar y Lalo. It's built into the jungle. My father got all these beautiful three by four foot Mayan carvings of all the Mayan calendar from this Mayan artist. He had these stones carved from Palenque, which is one of the the holy places of the Maya culture. And he, the, the restaurant is lined with all these carvings of all the gods. I mean, it's a magnificent restaurant, and the food is it's a joke. Dude, the food's so good. The it's food's a joke. a joke. It's so good there. Yeah. Yeah, in so, the jungle. Yeah, cool. so uh, that got a little sidetracked yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, uh, right into Lou. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my father has this massive spiritual awakening. He comes back, and he starts an import-export company and makes some uh, really interesting connections, uh, meets some really interesting people, three-letter agency guys and whatnot. And uh, fast forward, they do amazing business. My dad does very well for himself. Uh, and then the mid to late, or mid 90s, around 95, actually someone who he was in business with who ended up becoming my godfather did a really dirty deal behind his back or bad deal behind his back and, hey. and cut him out of a lot of money. And it was time for my father to, to think about really what he wants to do and uh, if he wanted to continue doing import-export. Yeah, so, he screwed him. Yeah, so we, we had been going back and forth to Mexico a lot. My father, it was home for him, and that's a whole other animal. I mean, cool stories there, and we can get into that another day. <laughs> But uh, we, we decided to go there as a family in 96. and uh, We're not even going to get to go today. This is like 20 years. We're just going to go. We're, this is good. We're, we're still, we're, we're, <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's great. fine because he has all the stories. We're still almost 30 years back, right? We're still, we're still trying to get up to where we are now. But uh, we see this wow. Mayan shaman. And uh, the Mayan shaman is talking to my father. And one of the things he said, he like pointed at his knees and pointed down and said, my father still has that much evil left in him. Uh, that he needs to learn how to expunge. But one of the things he also said was he's going to create something that's going to save the world or clean the world. I can't remember the exact word. Uh, and at the time, we didn't really understand what it what? meant. But uh, one of my father's partners and uh, someone who, who helped us with this company was a, a former CIA director. And uh, he helped my father get involved in this energy conference. And he met a few interesting people who had some really cool ideas for technologies. Um, and some one of them was actually kind of a base foundational for what we're doing today but my father looked at him and he said you know they they work there's and don't get me wrong there's tons of technologies out there that can turn waste into fuel right but the question is a are they energy efficient is the most important in my eyes yeah and b do they create good products yeah. right pyrolysis yeah. has been around for for 50 years 60 years i mean 
in fact, my a crazy coincidence, my, my uncle uh, helped actually build one of the first pyrolysis systems here in the US. Wow, that's cool. But it's a technology that is energy inefficient and the products are terrible because right. you don't clean the waste before you make the fuel. So all the, the mercury, the mm. sulfur, all those harmful mm. compounds that were in the waste are now in your fuel. And then you I burn the fuel and it's in the atmosphere, right? Facts, yeah. So, he's, so he, he was looking at it, these texts, yeah, and picking them apart, you're saying. And he's just saying, and he's not a scientist. My father got, a, I guess, a liberal <laughs> arts degree. I mean, he was wow. a basketball player, right? You're right? He thought he was going to the NBA. You're right. Um, so he, but my father is one of the most ferocious readers you will ever meet in your life. You don't see that guy with it out at least allowed, at least <laughs> two to three books in his briefcase. And he's reading all of them at the same time. I mean, he just doesn't stop. Interesting. Um, in my eyes, there's only one scientist. I want to meet this dude. Oh, I, I'm sure one day you will. But <laughs> wow. there's only one scientist in my eyes that probably eclipse him in the, science, the study of understanding. And that's my father's mentor, which we're not going to get into today. But, but yeah. my father is, yeah. in my eyes, one of the smartest wow. people maybe in on the planet right wow, now that's amazing. Um, he's he's brilliant and you're walking in his footsteps man, yeah. with Eden energy solutions I'm trying to make it's him beautiful. proud yeah. uh, he, he gave me a, a childhood that was was interesting and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that but uh, yeah he uh, he starts developing he starts looking at it, and he starts look, I'm trying to understand how mother nature does it and it's simple heat pressure time and water and he was like oh well, there's a lot of technologies out there that do similar processes. What if we started stacking them? And over the course of 25 years and a lot of funds, <laughs> uh, wow. what we have today was born. And uh, I was blessed early on. I mean, obviously my father was very successful, but and people will look at me and say, oh, he's a silver spoon brat. Mm, but yeah, well, growing we'll tell up, him, we'll tell him. Well, growing up, I mean, my and not to say this in a vulgar way, but sure. my mother's Jewish. My father's a, a Irish Catholic, so I came from a mixed denominational home. Very cool. But my, my mother's Jewish and my dad's, you know, not yeah. Christian, not Catholic, Christian. Yeah, yeah. but tomato, tomato, yeah. right? And my mom's from Long Island, by the way. You're All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. What yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Great neck. Okay. Oh, one, of my, one of my rivals in basketball. Yeah, <laughs> I love so it. That, that's awesome. Um, I grew up down here, but yeah, yeah, just thought that was a cool alignment. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I grew up on West Hempstead on Long Island. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Hall's Pond. But, uh, yeah, so people would say, yo, it was just given to you. I cut you off. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so a lot of people yeah. would sit there and say this was given to me, but yeah. my parents, I mean, we didn't have an allowance as kids. We, I mean, obviously, if we needed something, we got it, but. My mother wouldn't buy me new shoes every week. I mean, my clothes most of the time were hand-me-downs from my brother. I mean, mm. and we were a family of means. My mother was just very frugal, and she still is. I mean, my mother's one of the most frugal people I've ever met, one of the hardest working entrepreneurs you'll ever wow. meet. She owns her own gift store along She's a real Jewish woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Um, but my father also had a, he, since he grew up poor, I mean, my grandfather, uh, his father was a drywaller. Um, so my father knows, knew how to do things. Um, and growing up, my friends would be watching cartoons on Saturday and Sunday mornings and 8 a.m., knock on my door, John, wake up, it's time to work in the garden. We would get up and cool. we would do gardening and he's got about a, probably about an acre and a half uh, in a suburb where most people don't even have a quarter of an acre. Amazing. And he hasn't put, he's owned the property since 86 and they hasn't put a poison on the property ever. Amazing. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
It's a surrounded it's a, by New York City. Yeah, basically. That's amazing. Yeah. So he's got this little oasis <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. But I grew up learning how to build things. I mean, uh, so I carved out a nice chunk of his basement when I was when I was living in Turkey for a while. We were trying to build one of our our, our businesses, and uh, I wasn't going to rent a place where I was only going to be in for a month or two. So I told him, I'm like, look, you have a huge basement. I'm going to carve out a chunk, and I'm going to make myself my own apartment because there's his own entrance and everything. And I mean, him, me, him, and my uncle, his younger brother, spent the summer building this apartment. And I mean, if you walked into it, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was brand new, like wood trim everywhere. I mean, really professionally done. And I'm blessed to say that I did the electrical, I did the plumbing, Ooh. I did the, the drywalling. I mean, I, I learned how to do all these as a kid. And Man, a lot of people don't know how to do that, especially from where we grew up. We oh, grew 100%. Up. Yeah. So I can put you... together IKEA desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can do. So where do you come in the equation? You're you're a founder too, right? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm a I'm a founder too. Yeah. Uh, we met in Turkey when he was mm -hmm. um, working in a similar technology. Well, yeah, my, my father's company. One of one of the iterations of my father's yeah, company. That's right. Yeah. He was reiterating for mm -hmm. 25 years. Yep. We so you uh, met in Turkey. Yes. Yeah, so he had Amazing. been living there for I guess three years when yep. we met. And then we're in Turkey, Istanbul. That's okay. where I grew up, born and raised. Amazing. There. Yeah. And then back then he was telling me all about the technology, and I'm like, okay, I, I guess because of the language barrier, I am not sure. I'm like, oh, that's very cool. I was listening to him like a grandma would look at their grandkids' homework. I'm like, oh, right. yeah, like sure. very nice. Even though I was very good at chemistry at school, I was looking at things, but I'm like book smart. But it's dense. Yes. Yeah. And and then I came to the US and I saw the actual machine and he ran it for me once to show it to someone else. Actually, I'm like, wow, okay, that's <laughs> like that's cool. what yeah. it's doing. And then that's why I think for a lot of people, they need to see how the technology is working yeah. and in practical life and you actually put garbage in there and oil came out and I'm like, wow, okay, that's amazing. <laughs> and thank you for saying that because yeah. yeah, we could talk about like the background and all of it too, yeah. but it's like really, and that's what I love about this podcast. We could tell people about this. Like, yeah. You're sharing this beautiful, amazing technology that exists, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, to the world. And like we could share it with people, but it really happens outside of this room. 100%. Yeah, Throwing exactly. it in the machine yeah. and sh showing people. And so I, I yeah, had this blessed beautiful. childhood. and beautiful. And especially in the early 2000s, my father's company was doing great. I mean, they were featured on Discover Magazine a few times. Uh, they were, 2003, they won one of Scientific America's 50 most influential companies. Um, so my, I grew up in this area where my father always instilled work ethic in me. I mean, both of my parents worked morning, noon, and night, mm -hmm. six, six, seven days a week, and seeing that and learning from them. and It's in you. It, it's yeah, in me. I mean, yeah. I, I was telling uh, Alexis, uh, your camera woman, that uh, I haven't taken more than a day off in three years. I mean, I, I haven't had more than back-to-back -back days off where I didn't work for several hours in more than three years. Respect. So it's it's been a grind, yeah. and, uh, but there's great things. How do you, how do you stay balanced? You know, you don't. <laughs> First, that's ask, a great are answer. Are you balanced? That's <laughs> like, a great answer. <laughs> well, yeah, right. No, that's the gonna... truth, though. That's the truth. Yeah. Like yeah. we were, we caught up for like a good, like almost hour yesterday, thirty minutes, yeah. and we made we you carve it out, but like we were working to that point. Like yeah. you, you could tell, like yeah. I'm in that same boat. Yeah. 
where so, my parents, yeah, I see my dad get up at three or whatever <laughs> every day. I'm a 4:45 like, guy. I'm I'm up by 4:45 most mornings. That's lit. So uh, see, but, I'm not there yet. I'm yeah. definitely not. But, yeah. but when you when it's <laughs> too early. Yeah, yeah. 4:45 is early. But doing this, I mean, uh, like yeah. the perfect example is just energy comes to me. It's vibrational frequencies and. And it just comes to me, mm. and a perfect example was we uh, moved our equipment to our, our new facility in Austin, and it was up at my father's in New York, and some of my team members drove up, and then four of us got in a, a big uh, big two f- or 2500 Dodge and towed all of our stuff down on a 25-foot trailer, 24-foot trailer. But we, we first night we drove, we made it to, I guess, Nashville or, or Knoxville, one, some, one of the cities in Tennessee, I can't remember exactly which one, but then we had 13 hours the next day to get back to where our new facility is in Leander, Texas. In Texas, yeah. In right. Texas. Cool. We pull into the facility at about three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon. We left the hotel real early in, in Tennessee. And the second we got there, we we're all exhausted, but hey, let's get the equipment off and fire it up. So we pulled the equipment off the truck. We fired it up. We were out there till three in the morning, just hanging out, making <laughs> fuel from from the. I mean, we. I just said to them, "Give me, give me whatever you want me to throw in." And we put in dog food. I mean, we put in a whole egg, and we were just throwing stuff in there, saying, "All right, what do you?" I said to them, "What do you want to see run?" Because I, plastic, the equipment, a lot of plastic, plastic. water yeah. bottles. So talk. We should talk about that's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, yeah. but it's the, the whole energy. My for me. Knowing that I have a mission to heal this world, I don't get tired. I'm just able to keep going forward. Dude, I can relate, brother, because I go hard, too. I was farming all morning, and, like, Mm -hmm. I'm here. No coffee today. Like, let's get it. (laughs) See, I don't know if I could do that. I'm a a coffee connoisseur. Me too, brother. But I'm trying to, you know, we we wean. We we have, you know. But, uh, brother, I don't want to lose track. This is so good. Yeah. This is so good. I I want to talk about that. Exactly. You said plastic. You throw plastic in there. A lot of my audience, they literally, I get texts and DMs from people, and they're like, "Yo, talk about not using the plastic," or like they it, they value that. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much pollution, and I know so many people out there are like really like feel like they have no control, like overwhelmed sure. with all the trash. Yeah. Like and then they get depressed. Like literally, it's a thing. We were talking yeah. about it. Like how do you like how do you tell people about this amazing technology? Because that's insane. Like yeah. you. Like, how can we start to um, alleviate that, I guess, pain and just realize that uh, we could, like, our problem in permaculture, right? Mm-hmm. Out of this event, we yeah. went this. They talk about how the problem can be the solution. Mm-hmm. Like, talk talk about exactly, like, how we could um, use plastics and maybe not just continue the waste we're doing um, because we don't want to keep using plastics, you know, yeah. as much as we can. Uh, but like, how do you use this machine? Talk about it a little bit. That was a long question to no, no, no. that, but I hope that framed it well. It, it, you set me up perfectly. Um, so yes, to understand a uh, to create a solution. I'm sorry, to create a solution, you mm. really have to know what the problem is. Mm. And when we think of plastics, uh, and people are like, "Oh, I'm recycling," and I say to them, "Well, do you know what recycling really is? Ninety-five percent of what goes into a recycling facility doesn't get recycled." 10% typically gets incinerated. 85% goes to landfill because it's very difficult. I so mean, how exactly. do you even approach the problem? Exactly. Well, the problem is this. So this plastic 
and this plastic are different types of plastic. They're made from different reactions, right? The bottles made from condensation CO2 reactions where the top is more of an HDPE, so it's a solid oil, right? This contains a lot of carbon dioxide and this contains more oil, right? So you can't recycle these both at the same time. And even if, so if you have a thousand of these and one of these gets into the batch, it's all gone. It's all From ruined. That part. Oh my! That and even the little ring. There. No way. The little ring. Yeah, they can't. started a campaign. So, so they just give up. Then yeah. it's just a facade. It's yeah. exponentially what? easier Seriously. to throw it out and cheaper than it is to recycle it. It's much cheaper to make virgin plastics so than it is to recycle. Got it. So you're saying there's no incentive for them to even None. do it. Zero. So the incentive for you is okay. We can make products. We could make a carbon. Like we could help turn the world around. Yeah. Well, here's the, okay. here's the thing, and, yeah. and PVC is another big plastic. Those are your white uh, pipes that everybody uses for their plumbing, right? Polyvinyl chloride. So they have chlorides in them, which when you burn or combust them is extremely harmful, right? It causes all sorts God, of issues. The PVC pipes. Yeah, and pretty much nobody can really process PVC. But because of the robustness of the technology, it doesn't care what you put in it, right? As long as the equipment is made to handle whatever the conditions are that are going to be a result of the material you're operating, right? So, I mean, you can put PVC in with PET, with HDPE, in with used motor oil, in with hamburger waste, and everything all at the same time. What? And the only thing you have to do is you have to get the particle size down enough. So you just got to shred or grind it so we can actually just get it into the system. Because heat, pressure, and time don't care about what you're made out of because you're a carbon chain and we're just going to break you down anyway. You're a mad scientist, aren't you? Oh, I've, I've done a few experiments this in my like, day. I feel like I'm going to go. That's incredible, man. You're going to go to like, I'm going to show up to the facility. It's going to be like Willy Wonka. Like I'm going to start floating and stuff. His hair is like <laughs> wild. <laughs> But seriously, I make a combustible material. We we uh yeah. we light things on fire. Sometimes he would come <laughs> home with a black fun. face. I'm like, what happened? But I don't want to know. Just go get washed. <laughs> Amazing. So you're still so you're in product development phase right now. Like get dialing. Yeah. It. Right now, um, it, it's tough for me to say we're in product development because I built this equipment at such larger scale. That's what you're saying. We're actually going. Usually, people go from the opposite. They go from small to large. Right now, we've built it large, and I want to make it into small, reportable, and modular units, right? So if you have a problem with a piece of equipment, oh, that's section two. You pull out section two, and you replace it with a brand new section two. You button it up, and it's off to the races, right? No no welding needed, no expensive time down, quick turnaround time, so low maintenance costs. And the whole point of this is to make it as easy as possible yeah. for the world to get back to a better place. So, like, you're thinking about the users of these things. Oh, like, 100%. It has, you have it, to. You have to. Yeah. Someone's got to steward these this yeah. stuff, you know? I think about these gardens. I'm like, well, if I just, like, dropped off the... Like, if you dropped off your technology and walked away, yeah. what good is that doing for anybody? Yeah. You know, we got to learn. We got to teach this new way. Yeah. So talk about that. Talk about your vision, man, because it's so deep. It's so amazing. Uh, like, so, so, the, so <laughs> you know, growing up... Um, with a father like I had, right? And we used to call my dad God's janitor, right? Because growing up, that like was Morgan the goal. Morgan Freeman and the, the Bruce <laughs> Except he actually was God and yeah, janitor, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But we, we, uh, <laughs> we, we were basically, growing up our entire life, I mean, my father's company is called Changing World Technologies. I mean, he wanted to, to change the world and make it a much better place, but this is 25 years ago, and 
the world was in a much different place environmentally than it is today, consciously and, and everything in between, right? Um, so he didn't have what we have today where it's now we have the support of the people, right? People want to see what we're doing and they're all for it. And uh, that's, I think, where we're, we're going to be a little bit more fortunate than what my father was able to do. He was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. And he's, he, I mean, he still is. executive, way less conscious. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. We're ready for it. I yeah. feel it, too. So our goal, and, and actually, this is a great time to tell you guys about uh, a second company that my core team is putting together. And uh, it's not a for-profit company. It's going to be our nonprofit. And we're calling it the Eden Initiative. Um, and basically what we've intend on doing is some of the profits that are produced from Eden Energy, and we believe it's going to be a very valuable company one of these days, we're going to funnel that into the Eden Initiative. Um, and we're writing into the bylaws that Amazing. as partners and founders, we're not allowed to take a penny out of Amazing. it. We're allowed to pay other people, but we're not going to pay Amazing. ourselves for that. Because uh, a lot of nonprofits do stuff like that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> so, we're, we'll, other people obviously have yeah. to get paid, but the, the partners who started started it because we're yes. all members needing energy and we're all going to be yielding more than enough money if that does well, we've decided that we don't need anything from Eden, the Eden Initiative, and that should be used for only restoring uh, ecosystems. Uh, I'm obviously a partner in Food Forest Abundance, so we want to put food forests in places. Um, we want to put uh, shoot documentaries. So my younger sister, uh, her name is Naomi, um, she came to see us in Turkey and saw a lot of the Syrian refugees and decided to become a journalist because of it. And right out of school, she shot a documentary called The Dark Side of Tulum, which is on YouTube. She, she's got like a million views on cool. that. Your sister. My sister, yeah. Amazing. But uh, she's, she's, she's an amazing talent. And I would love to bring her in at some point into the initiative to shoot documentaries highlighting the problems with the world and what we're solving. Spreading awareness. And, and obviously we want to use the money from there to purchase some of the systems and put them in places like um, when we think about ocean plastics, 95, almost 95%, I think it's 88 to 90, 99% of all ocean plastics come from just 10 rivers, eight in Asia and two in Africa, right? And I forget all of them offhand. That's what I heard, um, in Asia. Yeah, it's eight in Asia. So Why is that? Yeah, well, just wasteful. Just, it's not that it's wasteful. It's the infrastructure, right? I mean, if you think about a country like India, there's not the, the only. It was only about fifteen in yeah. the cities. But They're all in cities. It too. was only in 2015 that the president really made uh, indoor plumbing pretty much mandatory. Before then, people used to literally just dump their fecal matter right in the streets, and it was really poor conditions. Wow. So it's a different relationship. It's a different world. And then wow. we think of Bangladesh, which is by far the most uh, population dense country in the world. And how do you? How do you do a landfill there? How do you process waste there? Especially when most of the people can't even afford bread. Mm -hmm. Bangladesh is considered one of the poorest countries in the world. So how do you stop a, a poor Bangladeshi guy from just throwing his plastic in the he ground? He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care. He's Dude, just trying to so survive. How do we, so we need to spread awareness, you're right. Yeah. Because if he knew, he might care a little bit. Like I was in Hawaii, just this little sidetrack. Yeah. And I was at a hostel, working at a hostel, and there was this beautiful little creek and I saw a bunch of white paint go down one day. You know, someone Awful. just from up the way. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, man, you know. Yeah. You see it's, that a lot here. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's awful, dude. And this island's beautiful, you know. And we treat so our waters terribly. Dude, you're, you're terribly. exactly right. 
So talk. So that's part of your mission with Eden yeah. Initiative. So like we want to, yeah, we want to use the money that we're creating from Eden Energy, and bring it into a, an organization that's sole purpose is to restore Eden, to bring Eden back to the world. Um, and we're not saying that figuratively. Uh, that's why it's our name, right? We wanna, we wanna make sure that this is here and. The way that all came about was a hero's journey, so I guess it's time to tell that story, right? Yeah, <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> so, um, so I was, it was deep into, I was about a year into working with Jim at Food Forest Abundance, and uh, she, my wife, uh, like we mentioned, was from from Istanbul, and she went home to visit some uh, family, and uh, I had Odin here, which is our dog. You guys can't see him, but he's laying here. He's a good boy. He's adorable. Yeah, he's a good boy. <laughs> but uh, so Odin is obviously this powerful Norse myth mythological god and we have a Bengal cat as well uh, he unfortunately is not staying with us right now he, he can't he can't do the apartment thing so my parents are watching him oh, wow. but his name is his name is Atlas Atlas but we pronunciate it the Turkish way Atlas another god the, well the Titan the Titan who was tasked with holding the world That's on his shoulders so um, a Bengal cat a Bengal yeah he looks like a little jaguar he's and Whoa. to the to the Mayans the jaguar is the sacred animal so he's my little protector my little jaguar that's beautiful and uh, but uh, so uh, I'm I'm at my house and uh, yep. I'm talking to my sister and and she's my sister's into medicinals and uh, the, the ceremonies and things like that and she has been trying to get me to do one uh, an ayahuasca ceremony for a while and it's something that I'm definitely considering mm. um, but she told me how to to really do a medicinal journey with mushrooms and uh, she gave me an amazing playlist and uh, we were in a basement apartment so I was able to turn off all the lights I lit candles all around and uh, I took out my notebook and I wrote down my intentions on what I wanted to learn from this experience. I wrote down my mantra um, and I took seven grams to the face <laughs> and uh, and uh, I sat and I going into the trip I, I, I uh, read a book about nonviolent communication leading in just to try to improve Beautiful. myself and how I'm speaking and become a better person in that regard. When you're and, communicating uh, to yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. And uh, I and to this day, the animals have never laid like this. But I was laying in my bed, and I had Atlas in this arm, and he was just laying there with his head right here, and Odin was laying right here with his head right here, and I had both my animals like that, and I closed my eyes and I was listening to the music, and I had some of the most intense visions you could ever imagine. Uh, it was her and I in these long, flowing white robes, and these guys were walking with us, and Atlas was on a leash and walking, and Odin was on a leash and walking, and. Uh, and there were these 300 foot tall uh, trees, beams of golden light coming through, eagles soaring through the canopy. And I just kept hearing, restore Eden, restore Eden, restore Eden. And uh, that's where this all came about. And it was at that moment where I just said, I, I have to do what's right for this world. I need to put my ego aside. I need to just be the man that the world needs me to be so I can truly make a difference. Beautiful, man. The hero's journey. The hero's journey. <laughs> the <laughs> Restore Eden is what you heard. Restore Eden. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, back then we have no plans of, of yeah. uh, taking over this. Seriously. Yeah, the company hadn't even yeah. been fathomed yet. We were still heavily invested. We had invested. different plans, and yeah. we actually understood the meaning of it recently. Well, that's right. what it meant, because Oh my goodness. Yeah. You just, that's was, what happened. It, it was two years ago, wow. no? Uh, no, it was uh, February 22. So a year and a half ago. 
More than a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, yeah. No, 21. No, 22, because we didn't start with Jim until uh, in April of 21. It was mm. a year after that. Oh. COVID years are kind of okay. weird, yeah. aren't they? It's like oh, yeah. Little, it's, a, it's a time warp. Um, this is great. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, crack. This is really great stuff. I, I appreciate you guys for coming. Yeah, it's so, good stuff. So uh, I guess we can get <laughs> in a little bit more about what we can do and and where we intend on going with it. Um, For sure. So when we talk about the technology and, and really what it's capable of, it's hard to really express to somebody what it means that all carbon-based waste. So one of the things when I talk to people, I ask them, well, what's a waste that you would like to see processed? So let's play that game. What's a waste that you would envision us running. We've already spoken about plastic and tires, but name something else and I'll tell you a cool fact about it. Sure, how about, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't think of Which one. Is I get, how about like uh, uh, um, restaurant waste? Yeah, well. Restaurant waste. Restaurant waste, if we're talking like the cooking oil, that's, a, that's easy. I mean, a lot of people make uh, like biodiesel feedstock from it. We just use it as a regular feedstock. It goes in, and actually we just convert it. It's really a great feedstock because it's oil. It's fat, right? It converts almost to, I think you get nearly like 55% uh, uh, fuel oil out of used cooking oil and probably about 25% gas. You get very little biochar because it's an oil, right? You don't make a lot of char because there's not a lot of solid material. Uh, but you mainly make oil and natural gas. Um, What's a better example? I can't think of waste. Well, I try not to waste. How about humans? Uh, we can actually, you, after dying, yeah. I'm just thinking about it. Mm. Like we can actually turn ourselves yeah. into energy. Humans. You know? Yeah. Actually, animals. They're yeah, human. animals. Yeah. Well, the the plant that the, one of the larger facilities that we built uh, back in the day with my father's first company that I just got That's going, Canagra Foods was our partner, and everybody's heard of Butterball Turkey, right? Um, we were across the street from the Butterball Turkey plant in Missouri, and we took all their blood, guts, bones, feathers, and that's what we use as our feedstock. And we used to make some of the most ridiculous fertilizers you yeah. can ever imagine out of that feed. Whoa. Farmers would have bidding wars over it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were fighting yeah, over who get the buy that. Because they also want to get rid of those, no? Yeah, well, the, at the time, Conagra Foods was paying, uh, I think, like 30 or $40 a ton to get rid of it. And we worked out a deal where they were supposed to give us less, but they were still mm -hmm. paying us to take it. And this is where Amazing. some of the issues come in. because The problem's the solution, dude. Yeah. They were paying yeah. you to take it. They were paying us to take the waste. And, and you were it. selling yep. <laughs> the fertilizer yeah. on the other. Yeah. Well, so the fuel, the, juices. the fuller fertilizer, all the products. So, <laughs> And to top it off, the energy efficiency of this technology okay. is third-party validated over 85%. So it makes 85% of its own energy. So you only put in a little to get out a lot. So it's, when I'm, I mean, I'm sure you have listeners right now who are, have have backgrounds in engineering or, or whatever field of science it may be physics and they're listening and saying oh this th there's no way with this guy saying it's yeah. real but <laughs> yeah, yeah I invite them to, to log on to our Instagram or my own um, our Instagram for for the company's Eden Energy Solutions uh, my personal one is True Eco Warrior right on. Uh, so. go follow it right now <laughs> and yeah and hit them up and you you would you you would love to tell them about yeah it. And not only that but i have I we have it. all sorts of videos of, of our products of me operating the equipment on there so i mean we're not trying to hide this from the world and i love it man so wait so if there's like farmers who want to use this they could hit you up and say like hey we have all these 
waste, you sure. know, from whatever process. Yeah. So okay. one farmer probably wouldn't produce enough waste to be able to utilize the equipment. I mean, our one ton per day system that we're planning on building, we're calling it the Eden Energy System Light M, and M is for mobile. It's going to be built into a 24-foot cargo trailer. Uh, but that'll be able to process one ton a day. You'll be able to pull it wherever you want it to go. But a it'll group of farmers. It'll be mobile. Mobile. Yeah, this is going to be built cool. into a trailer. Um, so this is that. That was one of the things I really wanted. I wanted a system that could could go places. It wasn't just stationary, right? Our bigger scale systems, cool. you're going to be able to move them, but it's going to take a little bit of a process to move them, right? These are going to be in 40 foot containers, and there's going to be a few of them, right, to process seven tons because the big system is going to do about five to seven tons a day, depending on the density of your feedstock, right? So uh, those are going to be bigger. At the end of the day, you'll be able to move them. But it's more of a process where this one, the, the first version is going to be built in a trailer. Uh, we already have the system quoted. We just need the funding to, to build it. We're ready to go. Um, all it is is a more advanced version of our lab scale equipment. So I already know it's going to work. I just got to put the pieces together, right? Yeah. It's it's basically like a big rector set, and I get to play. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Dude. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm even just curious for like my business, our business. We do sure. we do like it would be like veggie we do veggie gar kitchen gardens right yeah. market gardens yeah. where we grow the we grow veggies and we sell so carrot tops tomato clippings broccoli clip you know all the yeah. spent garden stuff that you just throw in the compost bin we have a lot of it because we have 500 gardens but here's the thing about that stuff what it turns that, to nothingness but that is your that's your biomass that's your feed for your food exactly forest. no you we're don't want to process that Wait, that, what do you mean what do that you mean? goes back into the garden that's right? exactly right but i'm just trying to figure out a way to make it go quicker because it's building up at our <laughs> location oh, I mean, if, if you have excess that's a different story but at the end of the day I mean, when we think back, and I'm sure your listeners at this point are familiar with permaculture, yeah, yeah. we want to chop and drop, right? We want to put that material God gave us, it. we want to put it back into the land so our crops and everything can grab those nutrients and, and become That's more abundant it. from it. Right? On site, do it on site. We we're starting to do that more and more with yeah. clients because I thought we're bringing it back here. Can we set up compost at your location? Yeah. And then you build the soil on site. You're exactly right. 100%. We need to use this. A yeah. lot. Most people put in trash bags. Most landscapers put in trash bags. It goes to these landfills. So who knows what? Well, and if yeah. that's the case, then we just take the trash bag, we throw the whole thing in, and we can process the bag yeah. and the biomass together, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the things. It doesn't even matter. There's no... It doesn't matter. Yeah. In the machine. Nope. There's no discrimination. No. Really? No. I, and when we do we showcases. Is the microphone in there? Um, the microphone <laughs> has a ton of metal components. I mean, you if metal gets in, it's not <laughs> the end of the not. world. We have a we have a part of the process is a, a, a evacuation that removes all the inorganics that made it through our screening process. Cool. So any rocks or silica or, or things like that we're Glass. able to remove. Glass. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, good. Because yeah, so, I'll see that in some of my, you know, people yeah. throw a beer can in the mulch pile or something, you know, and it I'm happens. like, man. Yeah. You know, happens. but yeah. But yeah, that we want to put back in the land. We want to use waste, right? And it brings up a great example. There's a lot of biofuels out there, right? We're talking pyrolysis fuel, gas, gasifier fuel. We're talking uh, biodiesel, biofuels, whatever it may be. Ethanol. Ethanol is made from corn. Fresh corn. Not, not corn that's gone bad. It's corn that could have been grown for food crops. Really? Instead, we're taking corn and we're putting it in a gas tank and creating a poor quality, low BTU value fuel. So why are we doing that? It's not even the spent corn. It's not, it's not like, or like the, the, 
It's the actual corn? It's corn. They're grown. There's fields and fields what? of corn in Iowa what? that just get cut, processed into ethanol. Subsidies, baby. Subsidies. Subsidies. It's a crazy baby. what people don't know any of this stuff. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's crazy. I thought it was like, oh, just like the, the, the whatever the hell it's called. We don't even grow, I don't even grow corn, but the husks, you know? Yeah. That's what I thought the it cobs, was. Yeah. Yeah, the I cobs, yeah. Yeah, I can't even think right now. And, which, and they do <laughs> but, use that to a degree, but right. not always, yeah. And you're taking food out of people's mouths. So they're feeding. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, man. I miss allocation of land, right? Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Oh, 100%. And then you look at biodiesel and biodiesel. And I mean, let's not, this is getting off sidetrack here, but got biodiesel, you need a, a pure soybean or, or whatever kind of oil. And I mean, if we're talking seed oils and that's a different story, right? We're all right. becoming aware that you should not be consuming those, right? Those polyunsaturated fats aren't what we thought they were. Um, but you need this pure $3.50 per gallon fuel and you create a $1.50 fuel that is methylesterified and destroys engines. So you create this crappy fuel, yet in the, in the late 2000s, everybody was like, oh, my car runs on biodiesel. And I'm like, well, your car's running on a methylesterified fuel that's wrecking havoc on your engine. <laughs> but they thought that was green. Yeah, they thought it was green. But at the end of the day, you're taking food again out of people's mouths. So unless you're using a recycled feedstock, like a lot of people are getting better at with biodiesel, using used cooking oil, right? Some oils that have already been spent, then it's a different story. But yeah. a lot of these big guys, yeah. they're just using pure oil that's fresh, food, food grade oil, right. and making it into a bad quality fuel. So... My whole thing is I don't want to use a valuable resource to create energy when there's so many parts out there that are just trash that we you can want, use. You want to focus on the waste. I want the waste. The yeah. Because <laughs> that's what we got to fix. Oh, 100%. We don't need to grow more soybeans or whatever. Right. You're exactly right. Tear down more rainforest. It's so and, true. And why are we destroying our most diverse ecosystems when we should be just replanting them? We should be yeah. going into yes. these forests and putting in subcanopy trees and vines and, and all of our shrubs and rebuilding the mycelium network. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Paul Stamets and looking at his work and when he talks about yeah. the benefits of these old growth forests, how important they are to health and medicine. And we sit there and we go in and we clear cut it to put these pesticide riddled farms it's Develop like and developments dude oh destroying lands dude i know preach you're preaching man i mean we just met guys this is so great like dude you're speaking my language i i and i mean yeah just recently there's an old growth forest probably 10 years ago now it's alton i don't know if you know i know but, alton yeah. yeah it's like a city center now it used to be like an old forest and you know people were trying to make it not ha you know make it not happen and like say hey this should be protected and you know someone probably got paid off or some the same thing happened out in Westlake or whatever that right. talked to the neighbors i planted like 20 fruit trees for him like four or five years ago and i remember he was like we don't want them here abacoa we don't want abacoa here yeah. like we like the animals we like the you know nature these old growth systems that yeah. takes hundreds of years to create these like beautiful land it, dude if not more if and not then more. they just get paid off and then it's decimated you're right bro. Thousands, a of, thousands of years to grow a couple hours to destroy dude it's wild and like the the truth is we can with things like permaculture and agroforestry systems we can quickly accelerate the forest and we yeah. could 
do amazing things oh, today. Amazing things. But we got to start doing them. Yeah. Let's do them. That's why I respect you, man. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, there's, there's a lot. You we know, you're do. doing it. Well, here's one of the, the really amazing things that we found out about this technology. Um, and this was something that we never expected. But one of the most amazing things is in one of the processes, we oxidize metals. And for anybody who's a chemist and they just heard that, they're, they're probably going, whoa, that's unreal. Because, so think of the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty came over to the U.S. It was bronze. But sitting in that that's right, it oxidizes. I remember reading cream. that on the thing with my grandma. Right. Yeah, yeah. Water oxidizes <laughs> metals. That's right. It's copper, right? I think. Uh, copper, yeah, yeah, not bronze. So yeah, yeah. what is... Yeah, I can't. I can't actually remember. But if, if the fact that it turns green it tells me it's copper. It, it oxidizes. It oxidizes. But what are what are some of the most harmful compounds in the world? Mercury, lead, sulfur, and think about the periodic table. Those are all metals. Heavy metals. Wow. Right? Sodium. We think of salt. Salt is a metal. We don't think of it that way because we, we, we have. I wouldn't say conditioned or trained, but. Most people don't understand science to that degree to understand that sodium is a metal, right? Sure. And when metals become oxidized, they become safer, right? So they become non-leachable. So we're actually able to take things like lead and mercury in the system and turn them into their oxidized form. Mm -hmm. Now let's think about this. The world is a whole natural system, right? Mercury exists for a reason. There are benefits to it. When you oxidize mercury, mercury is actually one of those cool ones. We've actually seen, we don't, I have to get the mechanism studied. It's one of the things that I'm going to be looking at a university for to try to help me. But I want to understand the mechanism because mercury, when it goes through this process, becomes cinnabar. And cinnabar is a mercury substrate, but it's been shown to have benefits for plant growth. Amazing. So we take a problem <laughs> and we turn it into a solution. So coal, mercury. mercury, we can make safe. Wow. So let's say you have coal. Coal is loaded with mercury. It's loaded with sulfur. And one of the problems is when you burn it, those compounds go into the air. And everybody's going to say, oh, also CO2. But I'm one of the people that doesn't really believe CO2 is as big of an issue as they're claiming it is. We should do that. After the heavy metals, we should go into that. I'm, because I'm you, we were talking about that. It's, it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> but we could actually take coal and process it through our system, not even our whole stage, not even making the fuels out of coal. Just take coal as is, run it through some of the steps in our process, not all of them, like I said, and actually remove the sulfur, remove the mercury, and you're left with clean coal. And I and everybody's been saying clean coal for decades, clean coal this, clean coal that. No, 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 this is real clean coal where all those heavy metals and compounds have been stripped out because again, as I mentioned, it's when not a marketing ploy. It's the, a, yeah, yeah, the yeah. water gets into the interstices, it oxidizes, and when you oxidize a metal, it becomes water soluble. So it goes into the water phase, and then we physically separate the water from the coal. This is some scientific stuff. Wow! So when it, when you wow, it becomes water soluble, and mm -hmm. then you it oxidizes. It, it. it ends up in the water. So w when something like wow, so if you make a soil or something like a product from that waste. And you add it to the soil; it's not gonna, and the plants uptake that. It's not gonna get in our system. It's, It'll just it's go. all part of the natural world. That's it. it just turns. Mercury to, is natural. If if it weren't for elements. the concentrated forms that we're seeing it in, 
would it really be that Got awful? Got it. Right? We're seeing, we take everything and we concentrate things to the nth degree and we see them in forms that would never exist in nature. And to, and I've heard you say it, too much of a good thing isn't good, right? Yeah. I heard it on one of the shows. I can't remember if it was cool. Matt or Cameron's or, or Sean's. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's really cool what you were talking about with the, the metals. I, yeah. That is interesting to me. Oh, it's wow. one of the most important factors. And it's just a little side effect of what we do, wow. but it's such a game changer. Mm-hmm. It's such a game changer because, I mean, and, and one of the people that we think are going to be, every, people tell me all the time, oh, big oil is going to come after you. I say, no, they're not because big oil mm-hmm. is going to be buying my equipment because all their waste that is mm-hmm. so toxic, like, when they have those huge tanks that you're driving through, let's say, uh, a port, and you see those huge tanks of oil, right? Yeah. After those sit for a while, you get this really heavy sludge at the bottom called tank bottoms. It is nasty. I'm sure. It's loaded with some of the worst compounds you can ever imagine. But now, let's say BP, after they destroyed the Gulf, right? right? They could take all of their tank bottoms, process it through the system, create clean burning regenerative fuels from it and get rid of their waste while making energy from it and creating clean energy from yeah. their waste oils that typically destroy everything they'll want to get in on it they're gonna want it Gosh, and speaking I of bp love that dude Wait, dude you got to adopt better systems you you could have it's siphoned like off all that oil and water that is from an oil spill all that sludge that they can't use because it's loaded with water you just take all that water and oil and you pump it through the machine and it'll separate everything. The water will become clean, uh, come out clean again, and the oil will just become clean energy again. So like an oil spill or, or that incident that happened in East Palestine, yeah. we could have taken all that soil, just dug it up, scooped it in, put it in a container, processed it through our machine, no problem. Done. No problem. Very cool, man. We could have solved East Palestine in the blink of an eye if we had our equipment built. Wow. All right. Super interesting stuff, guys. Like, how are we going to tell people about this? Tell the world about it. Well, uh, Go's Day, uh, thankfully, it's uh, when we look at the yeah. team that we've assembled, um, and one of our partners is a, uh, he used to be a youth pastor, and now he's he's heavily involved in the church, runs the Sunday school. Um, but he, he's put it more simply than anybody on the team. This team was assembled because of divine intervention. When you look at all the people that we currently have, everybody fills their niche. And if you look at their resume, you would think that we made up their resume for their role. And the wow. fact that my, my life partner, my spouse, my, my best friend mm-hmm. is one of the most amazing marketers I've ever met, and that was one of the roles that we needed, it really made sense. So um, she's going to be in charge of that. So I'll let her tell, tell her side of the story. Well, yeah, first of all, I am also, I'm not a scientist. And as I told you guys, when I found out about it, I so did not care. I'm like, wow, that's okay. But when I actually see it, what it actually does years after, I was blown. So I want to, I want to be the translator. I want to translate John (laughs) into the people like a, a language where people on the street can understand yeah. because he can marketing. talk That's he marketing. can tell yes and he can tell a lot of things and it doesn't mean anything most of the times even to me and i have to dig into it <laughs> and i'm like it's 
It doesn't mean anything to someone on the street. <laughs> yeah. No, right, no, no. Right, someone right. on the, the street. Sign, it's, I'm trying. I'm <laughs> listening need, deeply because there's so much to it. Yeah. We need people to understand. We're not gonna teach people chemistry, but we're gonna tell people. It's a it's a life skill. It's a life lesson because when I got involved in, with this and a previous company that we worked with, and I noticed that we don't know nature. I don't know. I don't know the earth. I don't know the trees. I don't know anything that I'm living on and living together with, coexisting together. And what we are doing, basically, nature has its own way, and we're just breaking it. And then we're trying to fix what we break by breaking it even more. So that's what I understood. And I want people to understand that those solutions are not the solutions. And I want people to understand Mm. that what we are doing is actually solve two main problems of the earth. Um, cleaning it up and also providing and like producing energy. So two problems. One of them is we need to clean it up and we need to produce energy. So I want people to understand that we're the missing piece of the world and we're here. So we're not going to sell. We're not going to sell the machines. We're not going to sell the technology. We're just going to sell people hope. When she when she sells says that, that she means our marketing team. She doesn't yeah, mean our that we're not going to sell. I'm telling this story. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What yeah. do you mean you're not going to share the story? No, no, no we're God, going God. to. But we're not going to aim to sell via like, our in marketing. Our social we're going to let these sell themselves. Got in it, our social got media, it. and when we're talking about this, we're just going to sell people hope. We're not going to push them to buy this or like in regular marketing campaigns. We're just going to create awareness and movements. And a lot of people are not going to maybe buy what we are selling, but they're going to be our supporters. They're going to be our fans. They're going to spread the word and they're going to maybe do something different in their daily lives. And that's going to be good for the world. So advocate for us. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, that's what we need. Yeah, that's it, man. Like, <laughs> like, like companies like the Ocean Cleanup, right? They're an organization looking to clean up the world. Yeah, People yeah. don't buy anything from them, but they follow them on social media. They support them. They donate, right? And that's why we're setting up this 501c, or we don't know if it's going to be a 501c3, the nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people can actually give yeah. and know that that money is making yeah. a difference. Towards the dream. Towards the dream. Towards yeah. Eden. Towards the, toward, towards the vision, That's man. it, right? So you're helping synthesize it for people. Yes. I love that. Yeah, amazing. Like, cause we need that. Like, I, I, man, I, w- I wish that was my situation. Every role in my company, the resume was built for that role. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like, but anyways, I'm, I think about it all the time. We have this beautiful, like, food forest abundance, for example. This amazing product. Hey, yeah. these other landscapers are right. It makes you go insane. Like, why are we still feeding our grass? Every six weeks, like, and, but it's like, hey, food forest abundance. Hey, urban abundance. We got gardens, like crazy salad every night for your family. Like, oh, and, then, and then you posted the cranberry hibiscus. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I like, it's like crack. It, yeah, I mean, I could just sit there and so eat the whole plant. <laughs> and it's so abundant, right? It's, oh my gosh. It grows like a I weed. Know. I know. And what is it's a like, weed, right? Exactly. So it's like how, but exactly, right? But it's like, how do we people, how do we get people to know about it? awareness right like that's right like we have all these amazing plants cranberry hibiscus how do we get these this to the world and that's that's what we're doing right now but like i i I applaud you and for 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 making it happen you know and and yeah i mean she's 
phenomenal at yeah. what she does. And we've, we've only started kind of posting, like people are going to go on and they're going to see my page sure. and, and they'll see that I posted about a ton of other things. But I was just really trying to get the account established because now moving forward, it's going to be primarily focused on just all about the technology. Uh, she's just starting to build up her, her branding to start making a name for ourselves. And we're really going to be launching it in uh, January 1st is when we're really going to start posting and telling people about what we're doing cool. um, because we do, right? I mean, there was a great book I read uh, called Start With Why, right? And it, it basically tells you about all these huge brands out there that establish themselves, right? Apple doesn't sell the iPhone. Apple sells a lifestyle, yeah. right? They sell that lifestyle. Uh, Southwest Airlines, they didn't sell flights. They sold freedom to travel, right? Mm -hmm. And and these great companies, 100%, and they, they had their niche. And, and we our equipment, hey, buddy, we're in the middle of an interview. you got to be quiet. Oh, so we're going to be down hello. soon. But, uh, Super soon. Yeah, he's, he's been sitting here for about two hours like a champ quiet, so i got to yeah. give him some loving for that. But uh, He's doing great. Yeah, he, but... Uh, so we, when we think about that, and not pe most people off the street aren't going to buy our equipment. Let's just face it; they're they're expensive. They're, it's mainly B to C, right? We're we're or, we're we're mainly selling or B to B, right? We're B2B, mainly selling right. to business to businesses, right? yeah. Because businesses are going to be the ones producing enough waste, but those are the big waste producers, right? We talk about Apple claiming they're carbon neutral when in reality they produce more waste plastic than anybody on the planet really outside of Coca-Cola. Coca is that right? Coca-Cola is the biggest waste plastic producer. Is that right? By far. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that makes um, sense. Yeah, but it's in Georgia. It's right yeah. there. It's right well, there. Right? You drive down I-10 and I've driven to, to Austin a few times and I think you pass like two, two or three, maybe it's not Coke, maybe that's Budweiser. I can't remember if it's Budweiser or Coke, but you pass a couple of, of uh, bottle, bottle, uh, whatever they call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bottling plants. Bottling plants. Right, yeah, there right, you go. Right. Um, <laughs> We're getting it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's all these things going on, and Dude, we, yeah. we need to inspire people through hope because you look at what's being said in the media and, and all these, these places, like uh, that woman AOC saying, we have 12 years before the world ends. And if you look at... What kind at, of message is that to a... 12 year old it's, it's hey you're not gonna have a life I, you know i, don't I refuse understand. to have that belief system yeah i don't understand it and, and why we would even tell anybody that even if it were well, you know, if it were true you would want to tell them right you wouldn't want people to yeah. be prepared but if you look at the data where that comes from right and most of this claims come from the ipcc report right uh the internet and the intergovernmental panel for climate change yeah, right yeah. And, and I'm glad we're talking about this because I've had different people on talking about it. And yeah, go on, go on. So it, it's so interesting when you actually read the report and I'm one of those people that's read a, a substantial amount of it trying to really understand what they're claiming is going to happen. And you look at all these these claims that you see in the media. Oh, if we don't stop burning all fossil fuels today, sea levels are going to rise a foot and a half in the next 100 years and we're not going to be able to stop it. But if you read the the fine print in that part of the report, that statement does not account for human development and human engineering to be able to counteract those issues. So you're telling me that over the course of a hundred years, and I'm, I'm a Long Island boy, I grew up seven miles from John F. Kennedy Airport, so five miles from the border of New York City, right? You're telling me that over the course of a hundred years, you wouldn't able be able to build a levee or build some kind of a barrier around New York City to stop it from eighteen inches of water. 
Or even yeah. if it's the worst at, at 36 <laughs> inches, you're going to tell me that we couldn't stop 36 inches yeah. of water? All right, well, let's figure it out. Let's build an eight-foot wall all around the city. There you go. So now you have the wall. You build it up. And now the city can't get flooded, right? So Humans and, and, have done some pretty incredible things. People, for, you know, we, we sell ourselves short, man. Yeah. Look at these feats no. we've... Yeah, I've heard one time, and I love that you're ta talking about this, because we want to sound the red alarms and just say, oh, it's done. It's mm -hmm. not true, man. It's not true. Not true. And it's also not a good place to be when you're like there's not there's not a way out yeah. like i love how you're saying we're selling hope i hope i'm doing that as well hope hope man yeah. hope for a better life like yeah and and, and then i hear people saying and obviously i'm not an advocate for fossil fuels because i believe burning them causes issues but i don't believe it's the co2 i believe it's all those compounds that we've spoken about in the show the mercury the sulfur that get into our systems in concentrated forms and and wreck havoc right um, but we look at CO2. CO2 is the foundation of every single food chain and food pyramid on the world because it's what feeds the base. It's what feeds the plants. That's right. Plants are the base of every food system, and CO2 is plant fertilizer. And it's actually, magic. And, and this is something that some of your <laughs> listeners can look at yeah, if they yeah. haven't heard it, but we're at the greenest period in, his, in recorded history, right now, really, because of how high our CO2 levels are. The world is at its greenest moment in world history because of how high our CO2 levels are. Directly related. Yeah, so what's the, so why is everyone like saying it's the worst thing ever? Like, because yeah, you're, the, you're these, these IPCC reports, to, they, they lay out worst case scenarios that don't account for anything. But they're trying to fear monger, basically. And why though? You know, do you, that, do you think about that at all? I think it's, I mean, I know I've heard some of the guests in your show, and I think this is a safe space to say this. I think it's all about control. Uh, I think mm. at the end of the day, it comes down to these large governmental organizations that gained all this power during, uh, whether it's after 9-11 with the Patriot Act and all these different components. Um, and once someone has power, it's very, very difficult to give that up, yeah. right? They just want more and more and more. And that's what I think this is really coming down control, to. Man. because They don't we, want us to use energy. Well, let's look at CO2 okay. emissions from this angle, right? Yep. So... Right now, we're at 420 parts per million. If we go back several million years, it was exponentially higher than that. I'm talking two or 3,000 parts per million. Greenhouses are pumped with CO2 to make them grow bigger, and usually those greenhouses are about 1,000 parts per million. The ISS, if that actually is, is really up there, they claim that's at 5,000 parts per million. So if, if we're putting all these CO2 levels at such high levels, how could it be that bad? But then we go out, and everybody's saying we need to cut all the emissions. Well, I've seen reports that claim 89% of annual CO2 emissions are naturally caused. So human beings are only accounting for 11% of emissions. So if we cut, and I'm not, those. Like, vol like volcanoes yeah. and stuff. Right. And, we, and I, I need to make sure that I validate those. Those are things that I've heard from various sources. Yeah. Uh, and I need to really sure. hammer those down and make sure they're accurate. But if that's accurate, and we cut every single emission in the world, and I'm talking all emissions, not Jeez. just fossil fuels. I'm talking wood. I'm talking in Africa where they're burning dung for fuel. You cut every single emission, well, just dropped it to a halt. 89% of emissions would still exist. So what are we doing? Yeah. Why are we crippling all of our systems? Why do we have these children who are throwing themselves mm. into traffic screaming, just stop oil? 
I mean, yeah, I get it. You guys are upset because you've been told these these right. fabrications and lies. And Big Oil has definitely done their damage. I'm not sitting here advocating and Facts. supporting Big Oil. They've, Thank you. They've done plenty of harm. But it's a narrative we've been given. We've been spooned. It's like a, it's a right? lie. It's a conditioning. Yeah, we, it's a lie. So it's a lie. obviously we need to put Big Oil and clean them up and they need to do better things. And they've destroyed countless <laughs> yeah. ecosystems. We don't have to get into that. But the world needs fossil fuels right now and they need good people using fossil fuels yeah good people using energy because more energy it's, it's the cheapest most reliable energy and the key word there is reliable fossil fuels you're saying they're because they don't want people to use that the energy is stored it's there yeah. right when and and i i like wind i like solar i think they have their purposes do i think commercial application no i don't think either one of those is good for commercial but personal use Homestead. homesteading amazing yeah they should be used in personal use of homesteading but cool. when you're trying to power a city and you cut down a forest for a solar farm i'm like wait that's green yeah right 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 yeah and and it just they have a big contract you know yeah, that's what I, I think almost every house should have solar panels on them i think people should if they have the area yeah. and they have wind have a little turbine right mm -hmm. and there's great small turbines now that aren't the big spinning blades that wreck havoc on the wildlife but they're like tulip turbines and they kind of just spin and they oscillate and, yeah. they, and they won't harm the wildlife so there's great advancements in that wow. um, but then again that we have to use batteries right and batteries people don't know the dark side there's a great Let's talk about wait before we talk batteries i'm curious the fossil fuels like what would you yeah. say to someone like well we're going to run out of fossil fuels one day oh i would greatly argue that yeah every ev every other week mean? they're finding new wells and reserves and then not only that there's more than we know out here in this realm but the wells are replenishing themselves like what? they say these wells run dry and then they come back 10 years later and the well replenished itself Oh wait, are these dinosaurs? Are you serious? Or is 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 so? My father has this theory. You're on and, one, dude. We're, we're getting to the, it here. There's a, a great book called The Depot Biosphere where he basically explains that oil is basically emanating from the core, and it's actually not made from fossils. Um, it's actually a natural byproduct of the heat pressure and time and the conversion. It's a great, we're gonna it's get interesting some book. We're going to get some people haters. I want to oh, know, yeah. what the, what's that book? Uh, the Deep Hot Biosphere. I, for, I forget the author's name, but it's called The Deep Hot Biosphere. Deep Hot Biosphere. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting, yeah. dude. It replenishes itself. These these wells are replenishing themselves. And you'll I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to have people saying, oh, that's a lie. And I'm going to say, okay. Well, you can go yeah, and you yeah. can find out for yourself because it's hard we, to be we've worked with the oil companies. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard, yeah. dude, to let go. I've, you know, but yeah. uh, I appreciate this. So, talk, talk about batteries. Bro. So, another great book that I read was called Cobalt Red by Sid Hearth, and I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Sid Hearth Khan. Uh, for some. Yeah, the yeah. name of the book, I'm always good. It's the author yeah. that I always have <laughs> trouble with. Um, but it is basically this this journalist who went into uh, the Congo, the DRC, and he went in and he was able to get into all these exclusive places because of connections. And he, he showed that the majority of this cobalt that we're using in our batteries as the one of the substrates to power the battery and, and get the electrodes and cathodes done correctly um, is coming from child and slave labor. I mean, it, it might not be in Africa. in Africa. I mean, the, these it was actually one of the most difficult books I've ever read, and I, I made myself finish it, but by the end of that book, I felt sick looking at my phone because I know there's cobalt Jeez. in it. And that's one of the reasons why, personally, 
I won't drive an electric vehicle uh, for my own reasons. Wow. Like I won't have one because until we develop a battery that is based off of a different compound, because I mean, you know, I think you have something like 8,000, uh, or not 8,000 pounds, but how, how heavy are the batteries in the Teslas? I can't remember exactly. They're heavy. They're, They're like the whole base of it, the thing. It's a joke how heavy yeah. they are, but you gotta think about how much cobalt is in there. And how much you make ore. me feel off right now, jeez! I have a Tesla. What? But these little kids. Oh I mean, God. I know, dude. And literally, they, my dying, one of my clients. They're getting trapped. I you're mean, it's right, horrible. dude. You're right, and we got to put our money toward, dude. Thank you for mentioning this because it's important. It exists yeah. right now, yeah. and like we're talking about, oh, Tesla's all green. Like it's all marketing, dude. All these things, you know? Yeah. Because you see it. You guys are in that world. Yeah. It's like what you're talking about. Ninety-five percent of recycling's BS. Like, yeah. it's all marketing. But my point is like. <laughs> and anyways, I, we could do this all day, guys. My, 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 my one of my clients. Well, well let me like, actually reference yeah, something on the electric please. vehicle. So, yeah. electric vehicles right now, to me, are in their infancy. Right, they're the, amazing technological marvels. Cool. They're sweet cars. Right. Once we start figuring out different ways of having these batteries without lithium, without cobalt, making them from recycled materials, I mean, there's great advancements coming out in graphene-based batteries, which is a carbon-based battery, right? Um, so there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. Um, but the main issue with electric vehicles right now is you have these people that are plugging in their electric vehicle thinking there's no emissions associated with that electricity. But over 85% of the U.S. infrastructure still comes from fossil fuels. Right. So all you're doing is you're plugging your car in here, burning the gas over there, and charging a battery here. Mm -hmm. So you're you're burning the gas over there instead of in the car. Yeah. So you're not offsetting. Unless any you emissions. have a solar at oh, your yeah. house, which you could. Unless doing. you're charging your own car uh, at your home. But if you're most, at, of, I I do it right into my two two twenty. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. you go to these superchargers. I mean, I've I've seen the funny memes yeah. and videos. There's like one of these these emergency superchargers on the side of the road, and it's being powered by diesel generators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, I come know. on. I know it's crazy, <laughs> but it's so per. Uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's ubiquitous. It's yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, man, the batteries, people don't know. I appreciate One of my clients was sending me pictures of the kids in Africa and like giving me shit. He was like, you know, give me a hard time. Like yeah. we, we, he's, 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 he's playing, but it's real. Like yeah. he wants me to know that Tesla, he's from South Africa, you yeah. know? He's like, this is what's going on. Well, it's not just like, Tesla. There's know, a lot man, of car brother. companies out there. And, and Musk <laughs> yeah, is doing yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when you break down everything he's doing, there's some things he's doing that I disagree with, but the majority of what he's doing, it, to me, it looks like he's doing it for the good of humanity. I, yeah, I'd like to think so, too, man. Yeah, everyone loves him, too. And, yeah. but like even he's the Neuralink. He's a revolutionary. Yeah, like people get do down on Neuralink, and, yeah. and they're, they're saying, oh, he's going to be able to control brains. But at the end of the day, the reason why he's developing it essentially is to help paralyze people and people with physical disabilities be able to bypass that default in their brain and give them the ability to walk again, right? So there, it's always a, a double-edged sword, right? Yeah, there's there's really massive benefits to it, but it doesn't mean you have to put one in your head. But the guy who who got into a car accident, and I have I have a friend uh, who I've been communicating with who who's having some really bad issues with his back, uh, and he's not a guy that would ever put this in his brain. I mean, he's very awake and wouldn't want something like this in his body. But somebody like him, who's gotten into a really bad car accident, who's hurt his back, this Neuralink trip might be able to alleviate their pain or if they're paralyzed, help them walk again. And anybody who's paralyzed, I mean, I've, I've been, 
I played rugby, so I've had some injuries that have sidelined me where I couldn't walk for a few weeks, and I was just miserable. I couldn't imagine somebody who was permanently like this, right? And how much your desire would be to want to get back on your feet again, literally. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. So, I mean... They can just change the sum in the brain, boom, fires it up. And I mean, like, you look at the Boring Company, he's creating this amazing tunneling technologies and, and all these amazing techs. So at the end of the day, I mean, I've seen a ton of hate go his way when I think he's trying to do what's right for humanity. Um, but time will tell. I think uh, right. I think we're learning a lot about who he is, especially the other day when he told people to f off because they weren't going to advertise on X, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, and uh, <laughs> I hope one day that with the technologies that me and my team are going to bring to the world, that maybe I'll be close to his level. It'd be kind of cool to to be known as a revolutionary scientist who who made major change, but. I just want to do good for humanity. I love it, man. I want to heal this planet, and I want to be one of the people that brings Eden back. Mm-hmm. That's that's my life mission. That's my life that's work, it. and that's why I wake up every day at four forty-five, and I'm ready to go every wow. morning, and I don't quit. Yeah, let's get it, brother. I'm here for it. Let's build Eden, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Uh, yeah. Thank you for uh, giving me the platform to to tell people about what we're doing, a little bit about my story. We we didn't get into a lot of it. Actually, we didn't even get into the part about how I joined the company. And I basically, I mean, my I started at 16, and I was the company landscaper. I mean, my dad wouldn't even give me it. We had a facility in Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I go down there. He ships me down there on the train. One of the employees picks me up, brings me to the site, and I call him, okay, okay so what experiments am I going to be doing? Okay, you're going to go into the shed. There's a weed whacker and a lawnmower. Go take care of business. Amazing. And I knew how to do all that, obviously. I'd been doing it my whole life. How so. old were you, 15? Six, 16 was yeah. when I first went down. And then I spent my yeah. summers down there from 17 on. And I started, I would learn the lab. And I became a plant tech. And I would used to run the reactors. And I was, I was the, the, for lack of a better term, the company bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's how that's it was. That's how you start, yeah. Oh, even and my then... whole career. My father <laughs> never paid me. Because you said, we're paying your phone, you're, you're living in my house, we pay your car insurance. So yeah, he, yeah. He, he never paid me well, but they took care of me and they paid my bills and whatever it may be. But it taught me that from the bottom of the ladder, you have to climb up. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he didn't give me that. this cushy you position. You were the executive right off. I was I the bitch. That. I love that. My yeah. guy. No, he, wow, he, you reminded me of a good friend when you just did that. Yeah, no, I was, Living I was the, it, for, and and I don't want, I don't like saying bad words, but I was the the company yeah. bitch for yeah. years, for years. From yeah. B level to C level. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You got to earn your stripes, man. Yeah, got to live it. Yeah, yeah. and it's Dude. it's what I think made me the man I am today, and I'm forever grateful for the gifts my my parents have given me both. Uh, Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Um, I mean, they're two of the most amazing people I've ever met. They've been married like 40, 44 years or something like that at this point. Hey, buddy. And and it's just a, uh, I I, I got very lucky in my life. And that's why I say I think I'm the most blessed scientist on the planet. Amazing, man. Beautiful. Eating energy, guys. What is it? I'll let you say. You, you. Uh, yep. So we're we're Eden Energy Solutions. That's where you can find us on Instagram at Eden Energy Solutions. And uh, my my outward facing Instagram is True Eco Warrior. So T R U E E C O Warrior. Right. And uh, and we're we're just gonna 
go out and we're going to try to make real change and bring harmony and peace and love back and teach people that, look, here we're going to be this big corporation, but again, my team, there's not a greedy bone in a single person's body. We have all people who just want to do what's best for humanity, all God-fearing, loving people who are just so good, so kind-hearted. I mean, I get emotional talking about my team because that's the kind of people they are. I mean, we are so blessed to be able to bring this group together, to bring this gift to humanity and share it with the world. It's uh, it's truly special and it's an honor. And uh, we're going out and we're going to raise the seed capital. And if anybody out there is interested in potentially being a part of this or investing or connecting, I mean, they can reach out to us as well. Uh, they can either fill out the form on our website or, or reach out to uh, info at EdenEnergy.co and we're happy to, to hear what anybody else wants to, to do. Uh, but we're, we're doing a little seed raise right now to build that first system, just a few million bucks, and uh, then we're going to take it from there, and the sky is the limit. The sky's the limit, baby. The sky's the limit. Much love and respect. Thank you for coming on. Right, thank you, Go brother. Say, it's been you. a pleasure. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Peace.